Everyone faces challenges and change. I mean, the best leaders and CEOs that we work with face crazy challenges and all sorts of unpredictable changes. But we have found they do it with action and accountability. In short, action means taking steps to address the challenge or change, and accountability means holding yourself accountable for those actions as well as others. Today in the podcast, Dr. Linda and Brian Schubring and I will explore how the best leaders and CEOs leverage action and accountability to face challenges and change head on. We'll share a few stories from real leaders that we've worked with about our role as consultants and coaches in this process and give you a few tips for how to slow down before you make any sort of decisions when you're facing your own challenges or changes. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. It's Nathan Freeberg. Welcome to the Leadership Vision Podcast, our show helping you build positive team culture. We're a consulting firm that has spent the past 25 years investing in teams so that people are mentally engaged and emotionally healthy. To learn more about what that means or to get some of our great resources, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. So Brian, Linda, where did this action and accountability idea come from as it relates to facing down challenges and changes? As we meet with leaders and we meet with C-level leaders, one of the things that we are learning from these really successful executives is they know how to get things done. They take action and they're accountable to it. And they have a way of holding people accountable as well. Maybe not perfectly, but for sure they hold themselves accountable and they take action. So across the board, leaders are valued when you see results. And so when you think about action and accountability, and this is for all of our listeners, um, there is no one way to go about it. As we look at the executive leaders that, that we're working with, the common theme is that when challenges and change arise, these leaders take action and accountability, but that action and accountability can be very different. For example, um, one person's action and accountability could be to the purely tactical to navigate through the challenge and change. Other people, it could be organizational where they know how to create the right strategy. They take action on strategy and they're held accountable to that. On the other end of the spectrum, there may be people that take action within their team. Um, they immediately disperse the work and the team kind of holds each other accountable. And there's another example on, on the far relational extreme of people who take relational action and relational accountability to kind of mobilize others to help engage in the challenge and change. You can kind of see, like we often use at Leadership Vision, there's a continuum of how people respond. But the overarching theme is that when challenge and change arises, that action and accountability are some of the first couple of steps that happen when executives are trying to navigate these challenges and changes. So what does this look like in real life? I'm curious <laughs> if you can share some examples. Obviously, we are protecting the names of these clients for confidentiality, obvious reasons. Um, give us some examples. Maybe on you talked about some of those extremes. Well, I'm going to start right in the middle. Um, we got several clients where the challenges and changes that they're they're facing, they almost saw them coming. Mm -hmm. They have strategic plans. Those strategic plans are in place. They have not just a person at the front leading the campaign. They have multiple leaders. So they have the advantage of seeing things as they come and talking to each other. But that doesn't mean that the challenges or the changes don't become overwhelming at times, mm -hmm. uh, that people don't know what to do, that people are confused on what the overall objective is. But the idea of this like clientele that, that are in the middle, 
is that they have a way that they approach challenges and change. They have a process through which that they are approaching it. But let's be sure, it's not always smooth. Those clients that Brian mentioned, they just say, come alongside us. Uh, let's walk this way. Um, I'm dispersing people. I want the team to be connected. Let's go. There's no, there's no big red flags. There's no major concern other than that change is constant and challenges will always abound. So from that middle point are kind of the, the ends of the spectrum of, of why other clients come to us. Um, and what we've learned by the leaders that we've worked with that have faced challenges and changes. And uh, the extreme is that everything is on fire. We're not seen necessarily as the silver bullet, but almost like a, a lifesaver or a hand reached out to help get a group of people to the next stage, to the next place. And at the other end of the spectrum are those that are are doing great. They are clicking along. They have gr- such great synergy and they are prepared to like transfer that, that energy to the next layer down. Um, they want to replicate what just happened and they want some partners to do, to help them with that. On one end of the spectrum, we have clients that are responding because the, the situation they're facing has an urgency to it and an immediacy to it. There's no judgment on urgency and um, immediacy, but when that is happening, you know, the, the tension and stress is elevated, emotional volatility is elevated, and a narrowing of focus is also happening. So there are many things that happen in that one extreme where, where urgency and immediacy rise. And even in those situations, there still is the need to zoom back as crazy as that may sound when you're in the moment to zoom back, survey the landscape and ask for help and how it is that we're navigating forward. And sometimes our role is to help bring a slowing down of what this change and challenge process is happening to kind of take that different perspective. So here's an example. Um, When I say that everything is on fire, perhaps uh, there's going to be a mass exodus that all of a sudden there's ripples of, of noise that, that a group of people are just going to take off. Um, what will that do to the organization, to the structure, to all the things that need to be accomplished? There's others that if we don't make this change, we will die. Mm-hmm. We will become obsolete. And you, you know those companies that do not exist anymore because they didn't capitalize on innovation. But we're learning from them, right? We're learning about... Some well, most of our clients they're they're not dealing with life or death issues, uh, maybe around COVID or people's lives at stake. But but really, it's people's livelihoods and their well being that are at, at stake, as well as the the health and the profitability of companies. And one observation that we're making when we're alongside clients in the urgency and immediacy moments, one of the things that we often want to shed some light on is how the executive team is setting the cultural tone for the rest of the organization, especially the leaders that are working with the people that are actually going to be the ones that are getting some things done. That executive team sets that emotional tone. It sets the visional tone. It it sets the tempo of work. And if the executive team is 
transferring that immediacy and urgency onto others. It's, it's almost like you have this ripple effect where stress increases and actually productivity decreases. Hmm. And so part of what we're trying to do is slow people down within a team context to at least give people an opportunity to raise their voice to discuss what is it that they're they're seeing? What strategies are working? What strategies aren't working? How they're doing as people and the ability to report up what's happening within their team members hmm. so that executives are aware of the impact of what's happening as they're addressing challenge and change. And that approach really surprises people. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes when you've hired people to come in and and work with you, there's this intensity. Like, you know, we have bright personalities, we are enjoying people, and then all of a sudden to deliberately slow down, people are like, "Wait, what? What's what's happening now? What? What? But but what are we going to do with this?" And and so changing the cadence. So if you are a leader, um, if you're a leader of your household. Even knowing the ways that you can surprise people to make a counterintuitive move to really slow, slow something down to be able to get curious and to wonder what's happening is pretty powerful. And it, it makes for more effective action. So if you can imagine for a second, this situation unfolding, you know, we're at a location and people begin walking in the room. You can imagine for yourself that boardroom. You know, there's windows along one wall. People are kind of walking in. They have their phone in one hand, their computer in the other. They got some papers. You can see by how they're walking that they're stressed. They may have their coffee tucked under their arm. Uh, they sit down. They're frenetic. They're having conversations. And you can just feel like that nervous energy and like people twitching with their clothes and their stuff. And then here we are, you know, trying to slow them down. And and part of what I'm trying to do and part of what Linda's trying to facilitate is the actual physiological calming down of people over maybe 10 or 15 minutes just to get their presence um, into the room and, and to watch people's sense of, of nerves calm, their, their breathing get more under control, the putting down of, of devices. You're setting the atmosphere for this type of reflection to happen. And there are many different things that, that, that we do to facilitate. But even in in the place or even in the moments of urgency and immediacy, like Linda's saying, for us to bring that that sense of calm sets the table or the environment, if you will, to say your emotions matter, this context matters, but we're going to take a little bit different approach so that we all are seen and heard. Yeah, one of the leaders I encountered his writing, I encountered his writing early in my leadership journey, and it was Peter Drucker. And he said, with quiet reflection causes effective action. Mm. That's and then good. it kicks it back to quiet reflection. And I think that cycle of leadership, that cycle of pausing and then making action, just not just always reactive and and frenetic, but to be tied to the reflection. So in these moments when we're working with clients, the urgency and immediacy is high. Part of our role is to give these leaders a chance to lean back metaphorically and physically survey the landscape, and to help them have a conversation where different types of strategies or ideas can be brought up to help them make better decisions going forward as they navigate challenge and change, as well as to give them a chance to just connect as human beings once again, because we we know that the urgency is still going to be there when our sessions are over, but how is it that they can remember who they're working with and what each person can contribute as they continue to navigate this undulating landscape of challenge and change? So let's do a hypothetical. So let's say mm-hmm. that Leisure Vision is contacted by a leader of a, a group, a team, an organization who's going through a bit of a, 
I don't know, a, a rough patch. Uh, let's say if it's a sports team, like they've lost a bunch mm-hmm. of games, or if it's a sales team, like things aren't closing. Let's maybe a group of teachers, like people are not coming back for the next school year. There's just kind of like a, a funk. Mm. They're not, they're not quote unquote winning. Um, there could be jobs on the line. There could be financial stakes. There's obviously morale issue. What would be maybe your first couple of, of steps you would take again, going along this okay. idea of action and accountability when it comes to challenge and change that you would offer to the leader of this group that obviously, you know, one size doesn't yep. fit all, but just like a lifeline mm-hmm. of like, okay, here's what I need to do. I love what you said earlier about the idea of slowing down, but like practically how might you help someone okay. in that position? Yeah, there's a very standard approach that we take when dealing with clients that are in that sense of urgency and immediacy that you're referring to, because we believe that whether we know the client or not, we have to reestablish the element of trust Hmm. that we will be listening to who they are. Um, And that will take a series of conversations, whether that's virtual, in person, or through a series of emails to begin to understand, number one, what's the direction of the executive team as they're facing these challenges? Like, What action are you actually planning on? On taking. Second, we also want to ask about the data. So the first one's direction, the mm-hmm. second one's data. What do you know? Like what's happening in your culture? What's happening on, on your team? How are people feeling? What are you doing? What's the pressure? What's the challenge? Again, developing trust, allowing them to calm down, let their shoulders relax. And then third, what are you driving towards? Like what do you think that you're imagining is down the road so we can help you get there? So what direction are, are you headed? What's the data to support it? And what's the level of drive? Do you have the capacity to actually do this right now? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, and that's a lot of the process of how does that, that we are collecting data before we start. How do people respond to that then? Well, on either side of this like frenetic or, or the more calm approach to challenge and change, you'd be surprised at how open people become when they see the two of us sitting across from them and we're actually asking them questions and listening. (laughs) Like we're giving them the chance to share with us what they're sensing, what they're feeling and what's around them. That's a pretty, pretty big element. And we're offering a different kind of space to listen to them. That's couched in between the two of us that really we're starting to hear Oh, triangulating some themes. Oh, well, actually, maybe is this what you want? Is this what you're looking for? Um, and oftentimes we take, we take a, an approach with a language and with our, our team engagement series in order to really get at what is the conversation that needs to be moved forward so this group can take, take more effective action. So that idea of, uh, that, that trust and data you were talking about, Brian, is that more of the action or the accountability or is the action to begin looking at those things and then the accountability is to actually do something with that once you've explored it? It's before that. We're okay. asking those questions so that we can better understand the action they're planning on taking and how to hold them accountable, like what uh, is really okay. to be accountable towards. Yep. We don't necessarily assume that the action and accountability a client has set up is good to go when we hear it the first time. Part of what we're what we what we bring is a more objective, outsider, intuitive approach mm-hmm. to how it is that we're interpreting the data. Then we begin to question or ask sure. questions of our clients to be sure that we can actually help in a way that's going to be assisting them and not becoming another distraction. Sure. And so in that, sometimes a leader will say, I'm, I'm passionate about this topic. I'd really love us to, as a team to explore this topic, maybe mm-hmm. of change. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we will approach it is we, we will come to the session. We will over prepare. We will have so many different angles and then we will listen 
and respond and tailor the session to exactly what that team needs to get to the next level. So mm-hmm. always people are more important than than our curriculum. And so we just want to tailor a specific approach so that people can can be successful and and excellent. And let's make no mistake about it, like teams that are on the other end of the spectrum where they come in talking about the lunch they're going to have together, what they did over the weekend, um, there's also a sense of urgency there because we have people that we're working with where the relationships are high and the culture of care and trust is already established. They still struggle with the, the same needs of understanding with clarity where are they going you know what's the organizational capacity to drive the change going forward as well as how is it that they're really interpreting and navigating the landscape so some of these elements that that we're bringing and introducing to leaders they're consistent whether it's you know a client that's coming from the middle or the the frenetic extreme or the people that seem to have that that relational strength either way it's pretty foundational on how we're making our approach to our clients well brian and linda thank you so much Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. And thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, or implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about using your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. I'm Nathan Freeberg. I'm Linda Schubring. And I am Brian Schubring. And on behalf of our entire team, thanks, thanks for listening. For listening. You know, Nathan, I think you're going to have to like, do like that slowing down of <laughs> just, you know, pitch us down a little bit with how fast we're talking. It's like, I felt I know. That.